Monday, June 26th. It is wonderful to have you back here. Thanks so much for stopping on by the Plus for a little Damon Bruce show. We are live. It is good to be with you. Last week was an incredible week for the Plus. It really was one of our biggest, most downloaded, clicked on views we've ever had in terms of a week. And I thank you all for that very, very much. Uh, hopefully, we have another successful week. I'm telling you, we are cross your fingers, set up for success, and we need to be because Jillian is in London all week. Both kids are back in the daycare situation. Daddy's got a little time to get things right here. But if anything goes wrong, the IT department's in London. So let's just not sneeze on anything, spill no liquids, and hopefully we'll go ahead and get ourselves uh, another successful week in the books here. Thanks to all of you. It grows. It grows in many directions, and it's because of you. The podcast is exploding, and I thank you also very, very much. We got a lot to get into this Monday, and we are going to, of course, start locally and work our way out from there, and I just cannot get over the fact that Trace Jackson Davis is going to be a Golden State Warrior. Um, there is no player in America that I am more familiar with than Trace Jackson Davis coming out of college, and the fact that he would end up with the Golden State Warriors is just really something else. It's It, it didn't look like it was going to happen. My God, it looked like he was going to fall out of the first, or excuse me, the second round. And it's it's kind of amazing the situation that he's in. I put up a couple videos over the weekend talking about how this is a different rookie than Kerr's ever had before, and that's where we're going to kind of start today because the number one reaction that I got was, hey, Kerr doesn't play rookies, so it really doesn't matter. I can tell you definitively. Let's start that again. <laughs> Hold on. Sip of coffee. Ah, I can tell you definitively that Steve Kerr has never had a rookie quite like this. He really hasn't. Nowhere in the class of or the pedigree of Trace Jackson Davis. And before we get to what Trace Jackson Davis brings, I just want to quickly go over nine years of rookies, none of whom came to the NBA with the kind of resume that Trace Jackson Davis is going to bring with him. And if college performance has anything to do with the pro that you might become, I think he's off to a really good start. Uh, Brandon Pajemski can only hope that he will have a game that translates to the NBA as much as history is on the side of Trace Jackson Davis being able to translate into an actual NBA player. And we'll get to all of that. But real quickly, let's start with what we just saw and work our way backwards. The 2022 rookie class that Steve Kerr was coaching, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, from UW-Milwaukee, and look, we, we didn't even really see him. Ryan Rollins, Toledo, we didn't see him, and we won't see either of those guys. They have been traded. Lester Keonis out of Memphis was a two-way feel-good story for a minute. No word on what he will do in the NBA still. We don't know. 2021 was Jonathan Kaminga's rookie year, comes out of the G League, Warriors win an NBA championship, and look, he, he didn't have much to do with that happening, but I like Kaminga an awful lot. I'm glad that he's still on the team. I'm glad he's still rostered. You also got Moses Moody that year out of Arkansas, who I'm going to tell you right now is absolutely going to be signing a second NBA contract and likely a third. That looks like a pro to me. Uh, hope I'm right about that. 2020, James Wiseman coming out of Memphis, 
raw, unseasoned. He got hurt. He didn't fit. He's in Detroit. No hard feelings, kid. I hope it works out for you. Uh, Nico Mannion out of Arizona, uh, not an NBA player. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, 2019, we have Eric Paschal out of Villanova, who I believe is out of the NBA at this particular time. Juan Toscano-Anderson from Marquette. Look, he's destined to be nothing more than a 10th man, and maybe he hangs around the league for a few years, but he is, you know, he's just a guy at the end of an NBA bench. Um, Michael Mulder, uh, undrafted. Uh, is he still kicking around the NBA? I, he might be out. I don't know. Uh, Alan Smilagic from Parts Unknown. We don't know whatever happened to Smilagic. So we wish him the very, very best. 2018, you had Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. He's been out of the NBA since 2020. You had Marcus Derrickson from Georgetown. Some of these names you're probably not even going to remember. Uh, 11 games in the NBA and not seen since. 2017, light a candle for Jordan Bell, wherever he may be. Uh, from Oregon, he was not rostered last season. Chris Boucher has caught on with the Raptors. Also out of Oregon, he's still in the NBA. Patrick Jones in 2000, excuse me, Damian Jones in 2016 from Vanderbilt, Patrick McCaw from UNLV. Um, neither are in the NBA. Uh, Kavon Looney in 2015, beyond any biological child that Steve Kerr has ever had. Pat, uh, you know, we all know that Kavon Looney is Steve Kerr's favorite son. And in 2014, Steve was given James Michael McAdoo out of UNC, and he was out of the NBA by 2018. So there wasn't an awful lot ever really given to Steve to work with. The fact that no rookies have ever really caught on in their rookie year. A lot of people want to hold that against Steve Kerr. A lot of these rookies came from draft positions that usually don't cough up NBA players to really contribute in any way, shape, or form. So behind the eight ball in the rookie class is sort of where Steve has been his entire coaching career here because the Warriors have never really been about their rookie classes as Steve has taken over the team. Well, he's got a player in Trace Jackson Davis. Again, second to last pick of the second round. Not a lot of prospects turn into NBA players from that draft position. But I do think the Warriors have one who will. And I do think the Warriors have a player in Trace Jackson Davis that is going to give the Warriors minutes in this upcoming season. Again, Steve has never had a rookie with this type of pedigree. And because I'm more familiar with Trace Jackson Davis than probably the Golden State Warriors even are, I would like to tell you and the Golden State Warriors a little bit about the player that they've got. He's a 23-year-old man. Which, let's face it, not a lot of Warrior rookies have started from that starting point. They've all been teenagers and 19 and unseasoned and raw and from smaller colleges and places that really didn't produce. And, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is a 23-year-old man whose daddy played in the NBA. You got to like that starting point right there. He was a consensus first-team All-American in his senior year, all-Big Ten defensive team, all-conference tournament team, and a two-time team captain. So that's what you're starting with. Someone who's got bona fides coming from a blue blood program. And again, forget about the fact I went to Indiana for just a second. 
The only thing that leads me to knowing this much about him isn't that I is because I went to IU and I watched this guy so much, but that's got nothing to do with how I feel about him now. It really doesn't. This is the player that they've got. So they've been keeping statistics about basketball games at Indiana since 1901. We're talking 122 years of basketball. That is not what anyone would call a small sample size. That's an awful lot of basketball games. Trace Jackson Davis, with all the players that have come through Bloomington, is third in career points, the school record holder in career rebounds, school record holder in block shots. So you have someone who does the things that, let's face it, a lot of raw NBA prospects just don't have an awful lot of seasoning doing. Sure, everybody coming in the league feels like they can score. Can you get a rebound? Can you get a block? There's never been anyone at Indiana who's gotten more rebounds and blocks than this kid. Uh, he blocked at, one, at least one shot in 105 games. He had 78 multiple block games in his career. He is third in career double-doubles at IU. He has 24 career 20-point games. Uh, excuse me, 24 career 20.10 rebound games, 11 career 30-point games, 112 games of at least 10 points, including 45 straight to finish his career at Indiana. <coughs> Pardon me. His senior year, his senior year, and again, I really don't know why the NBA let this guy drop. I'm surprised no other team, the Pacers especially, said, yeah, we're going to take a flyer on a guy who led Indiana in scoring rebounds, assists, and block shots per game. He was essentially the Nikola Jokic of the Indiana Hoosiers. He had more assists than Jalen Hood Shafino, who the Lakers drafted to be in their backcourt at 18. Or wherever he went. Where, where did the Lakers pick? Was it 15? I don't, it doesn't matter. But he had more assists than Jalen Hood Shafino, for goodness sakes. Um, he's the first player in the last 25 seasons to average 10, excuse me, 20, 10, 4, and 2 in a season. The first player in a quarter century in college basketball to average 20 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 block shots in a season. He's got the highest single-season scoring average at Indiana since Eric Gordon, who's turned into a very good NBA player. He's got the highest block production rate since Dean Garrett, who played seven seasons in the NBA and seven seasons over in Italy. When it came to responding in big games, Trace Jackson Davis is the first player to produce at least 25 points and five blocks in a win over an AP number one team since Marcus Camby did so at UMass back in 1995. Again, there's a lot of talent that has gone through and come out of college, and no one ever played as well against an AP preseason number one as this guy did. And he was the only scouting report that other coaches were worried about. He was the focus of every single game plan against the Hoosiers. It was try to slow him down, and no one really did. He had a 20.10 rebound, four assists, four block game, and no turnovers against an AP top 25 team. That was against North Carolina, who was ranked number one about 10 days before Indiana played them. 
He had a career-high nine block shots in a game against Kansas, a, 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 a school that cranks out all kinds of NBA talent. His block output marked the most ever by a Jayhawk opponent. So in other words, no one ever blocked more games, again, you know, shots to block ratio in a single game against Kansas in the history of Kansas basketball. Again, another one of those not small sample size statistics. Indiana went 2-0 against Purdue, and he was at the center of both of those wins. That means he plays big in big games. There is no bigger college basketball game than Indiana-Purdue in the state of Indiana. And this guy led Indiana to victory twice his senior year. Uh, whenever he'd play the likes of Elon or Kennesaw State, he would drop 30. Uh, the guy started every game. He was the focus of every single scouting report. He's just a player. He's just He's a player. He's the first consensus All-American from Indiana since Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo, two guys who have gone on to have NBA careers and are still in the NBA, although Victor Oladipo's knee is now hamburger and Oladipo, or excuse, Cody Zeller didn't represent himself well with the heat this run, but they're in the NBA, right? Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is the first major conference player to have a 25-point, 20-rebound, 5-assist game since Hashim Thabit, Again, never much of an NBA player, but an NBA player indeed did so at UConn back in 2009. He's one of five players in Big Ten basketball history to have recorded 2,000 career points with 1,000 career rebounds. The other players, again, this is the caliber of talent that has been produced from those stats. 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds coming out of the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis is one of five players to ever do that. Who are the other four? Well, Joe Barry Carroll, 10 NBA seasons, save the jokes. Greg Kelser, um, seven NBA seasons. Herb Williams, 18 NBA seasons and over 1,100 NBA games. Ethan Happ, out of Wisconsin, by the way, uh, is averaging 12-8 and eight over in Spain. Not an NBA player, but a very good and productive professional. There have only been 126 college basketball players throughout NCAA history to have 2,000 points, 1,000 career rebounds. Now, today, if you flash an ounce of NBA talent, you get drafted by the time your sophomore season is, is up. You know, teams are so desirous of prospects and talent and raw talent that if you got the opportunity to come out and get into the NBA and start making money, you take that. You're signing up for the draft. Guys who in college now are in this 2,100 club are usually your hardworking four-year players at really good college basketball programs, but they're just not going to be NBA players. Like, if you look around this list recently, over the last 15 years or so, where finding earlier in their development talent has become a priority for the NBA, you don't have guys like Tim Duncan sticking around for their senior seasons anymore. Um, and I'm not saying that Trace Jackson Davis is Tim Duncan. When it comes to guys who are putting up the kind of stats 
of 2000, 1000. There, there's a lot of, you know, Stony Brook, Bucknell, Austin P, Creighton's of the world, Oral Roberts, Niagara, Rice, you know, not, not exactly programs that are cranking out or known for developing NBA talent. But here's who's also on the list that Trace Jackson Davis finds himself coming off of after four years at Indiana. Tim Duncan, Alonzo Mourning, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Ralph Sampson, Larry Bird, Sidney Moncrief, Rick Berry, Oscar Robertson, and those are just the Hall of Famers. And then you get an awful lot of very legit NBA careers having done in college what Trace Jackson Davis has done. You get your Christian Leitners, Brian Big Country Reeves, Clarence Weatherspoon, Popeye Jones, Stacey Augman, Derek Coleman, Purvis Ellison, Never Nervous, uh, Danny Manning, Ron Harper, Wayman Tisdale, Xavier McDaniel, Bill Cartwright. There are also an awful lot of names that didn't go on to have glorious NBA careers at all. There is no element of you do ABC in college, you will definitely do XYZ as a pro. It doesn't work like that. But I can only tell you that Trace Jackson Davis, that he has a starting point in his career that means he's going to be a pro. I'd be stunned if he's not signing a second or third NBA contract. There have been players that the Warriors have drafted, handed to Steve Kerr and said, here's your rookie, who weren't even NBA players. Jacob Evans wasn't an NBA player. Patrick McCaw might have won rings, not an NBA player. Not really. This kid has real basketball credentials and resumes that he's bringing into his rookie year that Steve Kerr doesn't have much familiarity with. There is no automatic, you did this, now you're definitely going to do that. That's not how sports works. But if you're looking for a starting point, a launching pad, there has never been a rookie in Steve Kerr's, this will be his 10th year coaching, that has the kind of seasoning, the sort of experience that this kid has. And if there's one thing that undoes Steve Kerr's love for his rookies is he can't trust them because they're not experienced enough, they haven't played enough basketball, and he's trying to develop a basketball player, much less an NBA player. Trace Jackson Davis, boys and girls, he's a basketball player. What that means, what will he do? There are an awful lot of through lines between you did this, you're probably in line to do that. Probably. Nothing's could go wrong. I'm not guaranteeing anything. But I really think this kid's going to be an NBA player. And it's not just because I went to IU. If I had gone to Purdue and I'm looking at these stats, I would have said, hey, there's an awful lot of commonality between guys who have made it in this league and this kid's starting point. So I think it's pretty exciting. I think it's pretty exciting. You should be excited about it, too. I'm sorry I'm not, you know, giving you the Pajemski excitement. But look, that, he, that, that guy doesn't have the pedigree. He doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have all the notches on his belt that Trace Jackson Davis had at major, major D1-level college experience. He's at Santa Clara. It's a cute little story. That's all it is. Indiana is a fucking monster. The pressures on players at Indiana 
are tantamount to having the same kind of pressure you would have on you in the NBA. This kid's not going to get out on the court and start folding or buckling under the weight of all the eyes upon him. All eyes have been on him for a very, very long time. I'm excited about it. I really am. I'm excited about it. I think Warriors fans should be too. I know everybody's talking about Chris Paul and is this going to fit? And, you know, Chris Paul isn't exactly a, hey, let's get out there and run type of player. How's he going to run with the Golden State Warriors? These are all legitimate questions. Chris Paul is a great pick and roll player. The Warriors ran more pick and roll last year than in any other Steve Curry year, but they still don't run it nearly as much as Chris Paul would want to. There's going to be a yin, a yang, and it'll all fit together, or there's going to be a tug of war and a push and pull for the stylistic soul of the Golden State Warriors. Or maybe just maybe slowing it down with the second unit is exactly what Chris Paul is going to do. And he's going to be throwing alley-oops to Trace Jackson Davis and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. And it's all going to come together and it's going to work perfectly. I don't know. I'm going to have to see that before I start making any predictions. I've seen enough of Trace Jackson Davis to where I'm telling you right now, there's an NBA player in him. I know it. I think Steve Kerr and the Warriors will give him the opportunity to show it. I want to thank my sponsors. My goodness. Ike's, my man, serving up delicious sandwiches. I even ordered one for myself over the weekend. I told you that it was going to be a Jamie Sirewich. It was not. I got an Adam Richmond which is delicious. I love that. And whoever was working at Ike's and Stonestown who made that bad boy had a heavy avocado hand. You got to like someone making a sandwich with a heavy avocado hand. I like that an awful lot. So thank you to whoever made it over at Stonestown. You crushed it. It was delicious. I ordered it on the Ike app. You should get your Ikes through the Ike app as well. You start earning reward points. It's like frequent flyer miles for the most delicious sandwich in America. Uh, you want a delicious burger served by San Franciscans in San Francisco. You go ahead and get yourself to Uncle Boy's this week. Pick it up on your way home to watch a Giants game, an A's game, uh, whatever you're planning on doing. You can do it better with a burger from Uncle Boy's in your hand. Get the onion rings get the lumpia you'll be happy that you did and then washing it all down at night whether it be a great successful day your sorrows blackened is built to do it all uh delicious whiskey flavorful smooth whiskey that is versatile pick a bottle up today at bevmo and if you're shopping somewhere else for whiskey tell them hey i would shop here more often if you carried a bottle of blackened if you don't see it wherever you shop for your liquor Tell them, get it on the shelves, I will buy it. And you're going to want to pick it up. It is an incredibly approachable price point for a quality of whiskey that you are going to love. Trust me. Trust Uncle Damon on this. He knows what he's talking about. Oy, oy, oy! Sure does. So, I'm high on Trey Lance. I think you should be high on Trey Lance. You should be excited about him. Or excuse me, Trace Jackson Davis. I'm about to get to Trey Lance, who apparently nobody's very high on right now. Adam Schefter over the weekend said that there is no trade market for Trey Lance. Okay. Well, all I could tell you right now is that there could be no bigger warning sign than the general manager of the 49ers, who just happens to be Kyle Shanahan, who just happened to select this kid third overall, is just happening to try to trade him. 
I mean, that right there is a warning sign. So the day you step into the garage sale, there's warning, warning, warning. If the quarterback whisperer, that is Kyle Shanahan, can't figure out a way to make this kid work and fit, how is any other NFL team supposed to look at Trey Lance and say to themselves, yeah, let's get in there. Let's go ahead and trade whatever for that project that Kyle invested heavily in to draft and is ready to give up on now. If that is indeed what Adam Schefter is trying to say, if they're, if they're trying to trade him, they're definitely not doubling down on him. That's pretty obvious, right? Again, there can't be a bigger warning sign than a quarterback that Kyle Shanahan is trying to trade. Kyle's got a player he doesn't even want very much if this report is indeed true. And so they're stuck with him. And let's call him what he really is. And I think that this isn't the insult that a lot of people would take it because this guy's flashing potential. But Trey Lance really is the James Wiseman of NFL quarterbacks. A ton of natural ability and physical attributes that made him so alluring coming out of college in spite of the fact he didn't have many reps in college. That's what Trey Lance kind of is. Massive physical traits, not enough reps, not enough seasoning. And then when it was go time, unfortunately, he gets hurt to put him even further behind the eight ball. I think if you're a 49ers fan, you got to look at Trey Lance like this. If he ever becomes a game day value add, fantastic. If not, it's a sunk cost. The quarterbacking issue has hopefully been solved by not the third pick in the draft, but by the last pick in the draft and by another guy who's in the best football situation he's been in since he was at USC and if Trey Lance ever contributes, fantastic. If not, don't worry about them picks. They're gone. They're gone. You can't get them back. You're not going to get them back. It's a sunk cost, and sometimes you sink your cost into a Ferrari, and sometimes it's an Edsel. And I'm not saying that Trey Lance is an Edsel, that he is dead on arrival. There's no chance he's going to be a pro quarterback. I'm not saying any of that. But... You know, his impact on this team might not be nearly as dramatic as you hope for. And it sounds like, for all intents and purposes, that he is the third string quarterback in Kyle's mind right now. And he is closer to getting dealt than he is to taking over the second string quarterback. So, plenty of time between now and the start of football season for things to change, you keep them, you coach them up, and should the situation arise to where you turn to him and it actually works out, great. Gravy. Gravy. Fantastic. It all worked out after all. But I don't think there's going to be any more trying to force this square peg through the circle. I want to talk a little baseball. 
before we slip on over to Club Plus today. I know the chat is uh, chit-chatting away. Uh, thanks, everyone, uh, for getting in here early today. We got our friend Michelle Haberman saying, Damon, happy 6.23 thousand subscriber day. Is that what it's, it's, it's very, very, very random. But thank you very much, Plus Mafia. We keep it growing. We certainly do. We're adding, you know, 100 subscribers every 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, that is the kind of growth we've not seen since the early days of the plus. So that's all of you coming around and clicking like, subscribe, hit that like and subscribe button. Maybe some of you have taken the uh, friendly helping hand I've asked you for to where, hey, if you got to walk away from the show, just don't turn it off. Like open up a new tab, leave it running, let it happen, increase that time spent watching. That's going to help the algorithm. Hit that like button, comment, chat, do all those things. And if you subscribe, God bless you. I see new names in here all the time. This is uh, Tyon Torrance. We up in her. Well, thank you very much, Tyon. I have not seen your name before. I am glad you are officially up in here uh, AJ Cruz, 75. What is up from SoCal? Thank you very much. Uh, somebody was busy putting up clips this weekend, True Blue Forever. Look, we got to feed the beast. Feed the beast. We're starting to figure things out over here again. By September, we're going to be rolling like a boulder downhill, the one that's coming after Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Boulder, coming, rolling. That's what we're going to be as soon as we get, when, when we relaunch on September 1, woo, it's going to be a monster. Stacy Leo. Hello, Stacy. Good morning. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Went to the Giants game on Saturday. Got my flashy Aloha foodie shirt. That was a coveted door prize. Everyone wanted that one. So I'm glad you picked up your uh, your Hawaiian shirt. Whenever I see a Hawaiian shirt, the only thing I think of is Wembley from Fraggle Rock. I think about Wembley from Fraggle Rock before I even think about Hawaii when I see a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, shout out those of you who are old enough to be down with the Fraggle Rock. Here, here By the way, here we go. It's the sip of the day. Are you ready? It's good coffee. Want to talk a little baseball with you. Broom Hilda nearly visited the San Francisco Bay Area once again this weekend, but a Sunday win by Arizona prevented her from appearing. Uh, the Giants, though, did take two out of three from Arizona, and they now find themselves two and a half games back of first place in their own division. They're 10 games over 500, and if the playoffs started today, they would be one of the three wild cards from the National League. The Giants are en route to Toronto. They take on the Blue Jays on Tuesday. It is the first game of a six-game road trip that will bring them down to New York City for a three-game series with the Mets starting on Friday. But Tuesday in Toronto, they're going to be facing their old teammate Kevin Gosman and obviously saying hello to their old friend Brandon Belt. So uh, some emotions from the captain uh, as the Giants get going in Toronto on Tuesday. 
Tim Kawakami had a really good article about this Giants youth movement. And look, I, I started suggesting it was it was officially happening and these kids can play. And uh, Tim is seeing the exact same thing. And he's documenting it in The Athletic. Kawakami wrote, you know, the Giants were 17 and 23 on May 14th. But coinciding with the call-ups of Bailey, Matos, Casey Schmidt, Walker, and the others, they have gone 27. They've won 27 of their last 38 games, including a recent 10-game winning streak. And, you know, they're sitting in the wild card spot right now. As of Sunday evening, writes Tim, the Giants had eight rookies on their 26-man roster and five of them, Patrick Bailey, Luis Matos, Blake Sable, Tristan Beck, and Ryan Walker, played on Sunday. Bailey has been one of the Giants' most valuable players. He already looks like a foundation piece as a switch-hitting catcher who has commanded the pitching staff and is only 24 years old. I've said he's the best-looking rookie catcher that the Giants have had since Buster Posey, which sounds like a sentence that's just setting a kid up to fail. But this kid can play. It just looks like he's a natural out there. Uh, he has already amassed a 1.4 war in just 28 games, which is more than Rafael Devers, Anthony Rizzo, or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have tallied so far this season. Schmidt started red hot. He looked like he was about to take over Crawford's job at shortstop, but has since cooled off a little bit, but he's a player. Great glove, good arm. Well, maybe it's the other way around. Good glove, great arm. Uh, Matos, he debuted on June 14th, started off very well, went a little bit cold, but has perked up over again over the last few days. He hit his first career home run over the weekend. He's got really good at bats. He is sitting there drawing walks. Kid looks like a foundational piece. Tim writes he could be a 12-year starter. So, you know, none of these accolades were being attached to Joey Bart when he came up. I mean, I joked around with Ray, you could hear it off the bat, and the kid still got power, but he feels already like yesterday's news compared to the rookie class that we're looking at right now with the San Francisco Giants. Pretty exciting times if you are a San Francisco Giants fan. If you are an A's fan, obviously depressing times are yours. Uh, the A's host the Yankees starting on Tuesday. It's the first of a six-game homestand. Oakland is back to losing so often that they're back on pace for a 41-121 and season, which would have them with the worst baseball teams ever measured of all time. So things are not going good there. And things probably won't be going good as long as John Fisher owns the team. We all know that. The year is flying by, though. The baseball season is flying by. Just a dozen games left in the first half. We're 12 games away from the All-Star break. So we are flying here this summer. Uh, newly, uh, nearly halfway through the season, Marlins second baseman, Luis Ariza, is hitting 399. Arise is a stud. He's already won a batting title. He's already been an all-star. He's well on his way to being an all-star in a couple weeks from now. He's just turned 26. 
Like, this kid is rolling out of bed, hitting baseball, going two for four, two for four, two for four. Again, he's sitting on 399 right now. And the question, of course, is can he hit 400? And Joe Posnanski, or excuse me, Joe Sheehan, um, started going down the, well, the last guy to hit 400, of course, was Ted Williams when he hit 406 in 1941. How different baseball is now as compared to back then. And it's pretty stunning. Just talking about what it's going to take to hit 400 in modern baseball, it essentially, it almost, it can't happen. It won't happen. It's never going to happen again. Never say never, but it'll never happen again. When you look at specialized bullpens, when you look at the talent that is in the back of bullpens, again, one of the reasons why I'm so enamored with Shohei Otani and prepared to call him the single greatest baseball player of all time right now is he's putting up ridiculous numbers and he's doing it while he's pitching and he's doing it in a league that has 97 mile an hour with 18 inch break waiting for you in the seventh inning. You know, elite pitching talent is in every single inning now. It's not just your closer. It's not just your starters with a whole bunch of just trying to make it here, guys, in the middle of a bullpen. Everyone's got cheese. Everyone. And you see more guys than ever before. Joe Sheehan writes, when Ted Williams hit 406 in 1941, he faced 74 pitchers all season. In the entirety of the 1941 season, he faced 74 pitchers all year. After today, Arise has already faced twice as many. This kid's trying to hit 400. He's hitting 399. He's already seen 148 pitchers through just 79 games. It's incredible. Incredible how different baseball is. I mean, you're chasing numbers from an era that will never exist ever again. In 1941, Ted Williams had 29 hits against pitchers he was facing for the fourth time in a game in his career so far. It's like season number five for a rise. He's had 15 plate appearances against a pitcher the fourth time around. 15! In his career so far, if Arise or any other modern player hits 400, it's like hitting 500. It would be like if Ted Williams had hit 500 in 1941. The game has changed so much. So much. So it was wonderful to have you to, here today. We're about to get into Club Plus, and I am looking at where uh, it stands right now. And uh, I can see an awful lot of people are like, damn, Trace Jackson Davis put up some serious numbers. Yes, he did. I think he got a little bit of a serious player. I seriously want to thank everyone for tuning in this Monday, June 26th. Thank you for watching here on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, we thank you very much. We're about to enter Club Plus, get the party started over there. But for those listening on the podcast, thank you so very much. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it.
And like that, he's gone. 